Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Moss. Before we get into this week's episode, I'd like to thank our wonderful advertisers and monthly subscribers. It's their support that helps create not only this podcast, but all the other news and resources we provide for the community. Local media matters, and it will only survive if you step up to support it. So thank you. Now let's get into the episode. It feels strange to be thinking about fun bike rides, given the heaviness of headlines right now. As I edited this episode and as I work on stories for the site, I often think that bicycling doesn't really matter right now. I mean, I know that riding bikes always matters to some people in some ways, but with so many more serious things going on, it can feel not just less important, but talking and creating content about bicycling can feel even insensitive uh, in some ways, given all the other more serious things going on in people's lives right now. But the thought I always seem to come back to is that for many of us who are lucky enough to be able to do so, knowing that we can look forward to a bike ride is one of the things that gives us hope. It keeps us going and provides some levity and balance in the uh, gloomy times we're living through. And if you consider the mental and physical benefits of bicycling, it isn't actually such a trivial thing at all. In some ways even, riding our bikes setting future goals and having rides to look forward to is more important these days than it ever has been. On that note, in this week's episode, I wanted to help us all if just for a few minutes stop doom scrolling and start thinking about where we'll be rolling on our bikes in the coming year. After a few years of COVID, this feels like uh, feels like 2022 is going to be somewhat of a return to normal in terms of the kind of riding seasons that we all typically have and look forward to. Oregon is a paradise for bike rides and as spring approaches, I wanted to let you know about some of the great rides on the calendar. Uh, To help paint the picture of what's to come, in this episode I'll share interviews with founders of, of some of the best bike rides in the state. I'm talking classics like Cycle Oregon, The Swift Summit, Oregon Coast Gravel Epic, Sister Stampede, and so on. In this episode, you'll get to know Swift Summit founder Trevor Spangle, uh, Mike Ripley of Mudslinger Events, who's the uh, man behind the Oregon Coast Gravel Epic, Oregon Grand Fondo, and many other iconic events, and Anne-Marie Hingley and Chris Stefano from Cycle Oregon, which in many respects is the granddaddy of all Oregon bike rides. So grab a pen, grab your calendars, and let's start planning your 2022 riding season. Here's Trevor Spangle, the founder of Swift Summit. Trevor Spangle, it's good to have you in this the, the beautiful Bike Portland studio here. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> it's it's nice to be here and see this space. It's pretty fun. Welcome to the welcome to the couch. Um, yeah. we'll focus today mostly like on the Swift Summit, but I know you're involved with other events. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been doing the Swift Summit? Kind of what's that backstory? Yeah. Who am I? Thirty uh, six year old. <laughs> white privileged male i teach special education i've been teaching for about 15 years probably started riding bikes maybe a decade ago just kind of on a whim and it was actually the strawberry century was my first event a buddy was saying he was gonna ride a hundred mile bike ride and for whatever reason i thought i could do that on a whim so i bought a bike uh I ended up dropping down to like the 55 mile of the, the night before, but, uh, and, and learned my lesson therein. So, um, 
from there, yeah, I just I continued to cycle and became involved in the San Diego Spokes Bicycle Club in Lebanon. So at a certain point, um, the Strawberry Century, uh, it was, it was kind of going to go to the chopping block. There just wasn't enough hmm. um, internal club support to to be able to, to pull it off successfully, you know? Um, and, and there's a conversation like, should we have this again this year? And unless someone steps up. So I was like, I'll do it. You know, person in the back of the room, like <laughs> raising their, their very, uh, nervous hands. And, um, they're like, all right, cool. Like welcome aboard. So I stepped up and just kind of learned, uh, learned the general timeline of how to plan an event, you know? And did that for a couple of years um, as part of the CNM Spokes Bicycle Club, uh, which was really, you know, it was cool. It was, it was an honor to be like kind of carrying the torch from an event that was like my first event. Um, and then just sort of seeing how cool it is to like put together community events, th- things that bring people together, you know, a common interest um, and the different ways that people kind of experience joy and growth in those in those different things um I'd, I'd lived out in kansas for a while and and made some connections with people out there when i lived that were like sort of the old guard of unbound dirty kansas so mm. that was a very familiar um arena to me and so that idea like just the long semi-supported and i mean unbound is advertised as not supported but like long long aid station checkpoints um, things like that. I was like, man, there's nothing like that here, you know? And then I wanted to sort of just bring my own flavor in a way. Uh, I teach special ed, but my, my undergrad degree is in like um, creative writing, art design stuff. Um, and I wasn't really having many opportunities as a teacher to kind of practice those those disciplines. Um, so yeah, I, I was like, man, I want to put on this big 200 mile event in Lebanon because it's some of the best writing I've experienced in my life. Um, and I want like an outlet and sort of a summer gig to, to make this inspiring event, you know, that was, that was different than what I was seeing, different than events I was participating in, you know, things like that. Cool. What was the first year that, uh, the the Uh, Swift Summit started? So this will be the fifth year, but technically the sixth, because we had a, you know, a COVID buy. So what is that? 2015, 2017? Yeah. 2017. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's called a summit, which isn't the typical way these things are referred to and adds to the, don't take this wrong way, like to the confusion about what this thing is, I think. Yeah. Which I think you kind of like, like the sense of like, it's a, is it a ride? It's actually all these things, a ride, a race. It's a, it's sort of a social thing. There's a community there. Like what, what is it for people that don't know about this event? I've I've noticed it because it's gotten successively sort of more popular each year, and I can tell sort of by the way people talk about it and just what's happening that it's it's a really a ride. Really, people really love going down there. But I'm struck at you know who talks about it because it's such a wide gamut of bicycle rider types. Yeah, that's you cool. Know? So like, what? How do you describe it to people? Uh, it's a mysterious metaphor. <laughs> Here comes the creative <laughs> right, writing no. part. No, no, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I've been asked this question quite a few times, and I'm always like, shit, I don't, yeah, like, I don't know. Um, you know, someone recently said it's it's a race that's not a race. I mean, I remember the first year somebody saying, 
oh, I get why it's named the Swift Summit. Coming in on the sunset, I saw all the Swifts. And I'm like, I never crossed my mind that I was talking about, you know, birds, right? Because you, you post winning times, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a racer thing to do. Sure. But the vibe is not super competitive. It's a laid back vibe. You're, you're kind of like a laid back kind of person. And I, I always think that events sometimes will mirror somewhat the personality of the yeah. person putting yeah, them yeah, on. Yeah. But, you know, and, and it's not, and not, you don't just post times, which, you know, everybody kind of like, even if you're a newbie or just kind of like, you know, a weekend warrior type, it's fun to look at times. But like people that go down to Swift Summit and actually are in the front and doing it fast, these are some of the fastest racers in Oregon, literally like most competitive. Yeah, people. there's some there's some big people that uh, that have towed the line. Um, but then you got the people in flannel, a flannel shirt, and but yeah, shows you up have, jeans uh, and stuff. So, but there's no easy way to do it, right? You've only got no. a hundred and a two hundred, so they're both a challenging day in the saddle. You can't mm-hmm. just pack it in and say, "I'm going to do the twenty and turn right here instead right. of going straight." Right. So it's they're challenging routes. What? So the, each route, so the hundred, the two hundred. What's the breakdown? Just real quick, like kind of like the the mileage and the or not the mileage, but like. You know, is it uh, tons of climbing? Is it, what's the route sort of? Yeah, so 100 mile, um, you get three aid stations. So they're about 30 miles apart mm-hmm. on average. Um, you know, so we say semi-self-supported because you might need an aid station, you know, more than every every 30 miles. But along the way, there's, you pass McDonald's, you go in there and fill your water bottle or you get a cheeseburger or avoid mcdonald's and like get a little quick sandwich at the, the little loca- local delicatessen you know 100 mile probably has like six thousand feet of climbing i mean okay so know, that's an honest on amount again it's yeah just it's not... maybe like 5500 to six it's it's stout and there and there's some big climbs um you know i i think the hundred um one two three four i mean four climbs that I'm grumbling about just, mm-hmm. you know. Thinking. So you'll see if you're looking at your GPS or whatever, you're going to see yeah. four big lumps. That yeah, you're gonna you'll have see to deal probably with. four big lumps. Um, That's a big day. The 200 mile, um, I think some people had just shy like 13,000 feet of climbing last year. Wow, It's okay. also a big day, and I think that's like five or six really big climbs. The 100 mile doesn't have any gravel in it. The 200 has several sections of gravel, and they're notorious for being just, uh, I, I get a lot of flack for like, Hey, you didn't say the gravel was that bad. And it's like, it wasn't two weeks ago. Um, that's one of the fun things about gravel roads, right? Your complaints (laughs) to Lynn County road department, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it, uh, you know, I think it adds a little bit of spice, especially at 200 miler. We, you know, with, with an event like unbound or, or, um, the mid South, you know, like those, those off-road conditions are pretty, I don't want to say predictable because they'll totally throw you for a loop, but like, you know what kind of gravel you're getting in when you go to Emporia, you know what kind of dirt Mm. you're getting into when you go to Stillwater. And we have a lot of great like farm gravel roads in the Willamette Valley that, um, you know, week to week can be very different, you know, and it, and what kind of bike do you ride? What kind of Mm -hmm. tires do you run? You know, the 200 miler, you really are probably on pavement, 170 miles of it, you know? So do you want to run a, a fast, you know, narrow road tire, you know, 28 or something, but then you're going to get rattled for the other mm-hmm. 25 miles on just shit gravel. You know, I love that. That makes the, that makes the event so much more interesting. Yeah. All that like decision-making and then it makes a lot of the, the finish line conversations yeah. a yeah. lot better. <laughs> I wanted to read a quote by one of our contributors, um, Josh Ross, who you probably know. Yeah. Um, I asked him, you know, cause I haven't done the ride yet. 
Uh, I've done a lot of the Oregon rides. I haven't done this one yet, although I have ridden the roads a bit, and I want to talk mm-hmm. about that in a second. But first, Josh Ross said this when I asked him kind of like, hey, I'll be talking to Trevor about the Swift Summit. He said, he said first, he's really skeptical about these kind of events. He doesn't really, he's more of a kind of ride from your front door kind of guy, you know, right. super hardcore. But he said his race, he said Trevor's race felt less like a big city marathon and like, or a big, you know, century ride and more like a small group of cool people doing something cool on a bike. It felt personal in a way that is far more interesting to me than normal paid events. So that's how Josh kind of talked about it. So I wonder, like, what are some things you do around this event that that make people feel like that? Hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it means a lot to hear Josh say that because it's like, cool, mission, not mission accomplished. There's always room to grow, but like doing something right. Um, In the first year, we had 55 people and I, I took it upon myself to handwrite a letter to every person who signed up and just sort of a, um, you know, it's a personalized, like, Hey, thanks for signing up. This is going to be hard. Like, you know, motivational letter, I guess, in a way, and sent a letter to every person. And I, I was able to do that. I did that the first three years, every year, like a handwritten letter or postcard or something like that. So I think that's, that's like kind of one way maybe that, that, people are feeling that like sense of individuality i i think in a way it's not necessarily intentional but you know people want to do this events like show like you do you like you want to come here and ride bikes like i'm going to help facilitate this experience for you you know i think i think that then kind of gives people an opportunity to like make it their event you know um I know, I know in my own experience, you know, you sign up for some events and you definitely feel like not that there's a role that you have to play, but like to step into this arena, you got to be willing to, to march to a certain drum, you know, um, like it's heavy on what to do when you show up, right? whether it's racing or or, or this, you know, and like, make sure this happens. And and it's like, there's times for that stuff. and, And I think for everyone, but I, I feel like if, if the idea of the Swift Summit is maybe this this place for people to experience like freedom in their their chosen sport, like I I wanna like alleviate as many of those kind of constraints, you know, and, and allow people to just be themselves. What's this I hear about these like these letters that get sent? So it's I'm you said you sent letters to everybody just to kind of, you know, interview oh, yeah, say yeah, hey yeah. and like personal letters, which mm-hmm. is, is just pretty amazing. But now you've got this thing where everybody you try to get everybody to submit a letter and then you just sort of resend them out to random people yeah, the, is the like pen pal letters um so everyone that signs up you know there's there's the, the option to opt in to um doing these pen pal letters and basically what you would do so if you signed up I'm jonathan mouse i'm doing this event i want to do a pen pal letter so i would send to you a um a letter that had just a uh, an address self-addressed self-addressed stamped envelope inside and you're going to go ahead and just write a letter to someone you don't know who it is and you just write whatever you want um and then it goes back to me and then i take it and someone else has done this the same and i swap them and send them back so people that opt into this everyone's getting a letter from someone who's participating that they don't know about or know who they are um and people write some really cool vulnerable things um i I feel like the Wizard of Oz sometimes, like behind the curtain, getting to look at these. But it's become like a really special part of it for me. I mean, it's kind of like hearing what Josh had just to say. Like, there are these, there are things on, on my side 
of the of the road for for putting this event together that like are fulfilling to me and that's one of them just I guess it gives me some hope and humanity <laughs> in a way, you know. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the roads a little bit more. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm one of these people who uh, I think like a lot of a lot of people who love riding in in rural roads just really feels a connection to roads. I still get super romanticized when I'm out, especially in these places like you know Lebanon, uh, these great little towns that this goes on. Sayo, I rode Berlin, Waterloo, Sodaville. I can't believe I came across Sodaville on my ride down to Eugene a couple years ago. And I was like, I felt like I discovered like the lost city of Atlantis. You know, there was like this, this plaque on the road talking about the old residents and some, some seltzer spring they had. Yeah. The soda spring, the soda spring. And then there was this epic there the other section day. after that. It was just yeah. so cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then that same, so in 2018, I rode down to Eugene and back and I went through a lot of the roads that the Swift summit routes are on. And, uh, I stopped at Sayo Fairgrounds. I saw something going on. There was like a horse thing. I don't think it was a rodeo because there was like young young girls riding horses, doing all kinds of events. Some probably some kind it's of probably rodeo still. Some I think kind they of rodeo thing. Young. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was just so neat to sit there and like absorb that culture. And here I am, this like sweaty dude wearing expensive lycra yeah. on like a roadie bike. And you know, that's one thing I love is how these cultures clash uh, when you're when you're cycling up there. But I know you grew up you grew up in those roads too, mm-hmm. and I know they have meaning for you. So like, what's it like to, you know, I've personally been excited about leading friends on roads. I know really well, a couple of friends, two or three, but you get to lead several hundred people on these roads that you know and love. Like what's that been like? Yeah, it's pretty magical. I kind of feel like, um, maybe like, Mr. Holland's opus at the end. Have you watched that recently? (laughs) Not recently. No. At the end, when he finally gets to do his opus, like the way they film it is really unique because if you're paying attention to the song itself and the 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 camera cuts, like they're cutting to like say you know all of a sudden the woodwinds are coming in and and you're getting to watch the you know the the woodwind players do their thing and then he you know he orchestrates over here and the cymbals crash and stuff. And I've had I've had that thought several times riding a lot of those roads out there where it feels like in a way you're able to sort of write um, write a symphony of sorts. Like, you know, you have just some of these really like aggressive moments, climbs, things like that, you know, and all of a sudden they just sort of like, you're essentially crescendoing down to the river, right? And you're gonna just follow along this nice flowy little road. And uh, that's like, I mean, I rode out there yesterday and um, just had that sort of, just super transcendent flowy moment you know i love that yeah it's um perfect and and i think that that's i think that's something that's unique about swiss summit where i will i I will agree that like a lot of events are are founded upon the scenery of the area but i feel like industry-wise there's just sort of this this push towards like glamorized suffering and like like we're pitching like this is this is 99.99 percent of you know hard ass gravel and you're going to climb till your legs fall off, you know? And right. it's like, okay, <laughs> like you know? So I, I like, I like the roads down there. They're great too. The, um, uh, you know, that area is huge agriculture. Like Lynn County is the grass seed capital of the world. Yeah. For people that don't know the roads, what, what are they like? I mean, it's uh we all have a picture of I yeah. mean, Oregon's pretty diverse. We've got coastal, like forested roads. We've got mm-hmm. outer East. You've got more of the high desert, but this is this is kind of in between, right? This is more rolling hills. What, what yeah, is it like? Yeah, you're going through there? like the foothills of the Cascades, so just like a lot of rolling um, farm agricultural land, you know. 
Um, you're going along like the Kalapuya and the Saniam rivers and get quite a view of those. Um, like the one thing that I just am always jazzed on because of the high volume of, of tractors and combines and wind rowers and things like that in the summer months, all the roads in Lynn County have, you know, an extra like three, four foot shoulder so that these tractors in the summer can get over and vehicles can pass. So they're unintentional bike lanes out on these County roads mm. that, you know, I feel, I feel pretty safe. Um, and even, you know, for those, those, the large majority of those roads, um, you know, some of them aren't a shoulder cause they aren't as high traffic by, by farm equipment. But even there, I got buzzed once yesterday and it was, yeah, probably my fault. And it was a blind corner and it was just like, sorry, dude, you probably don't see cyclists out here ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. For, for a lot of people that go out there, th- they'll have a lot of great experiences. There's so much that can happen over the course of a long day mm-hmm. in the saddle. But I think for, for a lot of people that do Swift Summit, the, the vast majority of them, it's just a, it's just a dang hard day on the bike yeah. and they're going to be tired and they'll go through physical challenge and mental and physical challenges. Um, so in a way you're kind of like this, uh, I don't know, you're a, you're a dealer of difficult experiences. That's your stock and trade. I mean, is it, oh, do you think about that part of it? The in universe, terms of like, the universe is the biggest dealer of, you're right, you're right. of grind. <laughs> but do you think, do you think, you know, you're providing something that's challenging to people? Is that, is that something you've thought about in terms of like playing a role in that and being an advocate for, for pushing yourself a little further? Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, yeah. I think in like always there, I mean, if we're talking about just like pushing the, the, the challenge of different cultures assimilating, like that's a challenging thing. I'm, in some ways maybe trying to subliminally foster that like individual challenge, you know, like physically in your body and having to train for it, you know, mental, um, I mean, you know, that idea of like glamorized suffering or like, you know, commercialized suffering, I, I really cringe at. So I, I don't, I don't really ever want to get into like that, that niche, but I do think, you know, there's, there's something to be said about, um, overcoming adversity you know i think life would be pretty like boring and stagnant if we didn't get the occasional like speed bump along the way you know i think in my own experiences like yeah i hate speed bumps suck they they suck really bad um but you know if i look back at every, every every trial and tribulation of life like you know there's there's moments to be able to be like grateful for those and like the things that you pulled out of them you know and i think the bicycle is just another awesome vehicle from which to be able to do that. You know, what do you hope people take out of their experience on the Swift summit? I mean, I, I want them to take out whatever it is. that's like meaningful for them and just like go sweet. You know, if someone comes up to me and says, I, you know, I saw the Swifts at the end, I get it. Like that fucking right on. Like, that's cool because it sounds to me when you say that, that that was like your giant, moment right like the sun was setting and there they were and it's like you just had a, like a spiritually transcendent experience like i hope that that's like what you take away from it you know like i hope you didn't even look at your time because that didn't matter to you you know like we have it if you want it yeah but i want i want people to be able to have like those kind of moments you know where they like look back and be like hey this thing you know and i think that is happening like just sort of a testament like what you're saying like the diversity of people who are talking about their experiences in the the event and how different they are you know and yeah. kind of why 
given as being able to grow. Um, and so um, any other rides you want to mention? So we got Swift Summit in July. What else What else do you want to mention for folks to yeah. maybe put on their calendar? Sure. It's, it's a big plate this year. So uh, April, April 8th through 10th, we're doing the inaugural Swift Summit Spring Classic. Oh, yeah, cool. sounds like uh, something really fancy. It's not. Um, basically, my family had a restaurant for a long time, and my parents are really good cooks. We like to camp. We like to ride bikes. So we did a trial run of this after the first year of the Swiss Summit, where show up Friday night, camp out, dinner's on you. Saturday, uh, breakfast is provided, ride, lunch provided, camp activities, uh, dinner provided, and just hang out, uh, camp out that night, breakfast. Sunday, ride Sunday, lunch provided, go home. Uh, wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay, so, that's, uh, so April, out of, coming up in April. That's April uh, in Brownsville, Oregon. Uh, Mohawk Valley Metric Century in, in Eugene, May 21st. And um, that's a ride to help support the Oregon uh, GRIT, the Oregon Mountain Bike League GRIT program, mm. the girls riding together. It, and that's Eugene? Yep, and okay. that's in Eugene. And um, takes us into July, hosting the Northwest Tandem Rally in Eugene. Fourth of July weekend, and then the following weekend is the Swift Summit, August 20th-ish, um, Blackberry Bramble in Eugene, mm-hmm. hosting okay. that with okay. the uh, Greater Eugene Area Riders. And then the Hophead 100, we kicked that off last year for the first time, even though we had been ready to have it for like two years. <laughs> um, that was an Independence, and that was a really cool ride. That's another area of roads that are just like gorgeous. Polk County is doing some really cool stuff. Just wanted to get people in. Independence, the community itself, is doing just super rad stuff. My buddy Ramon has a bike indie. They're just blowing up. Um, and so the Hophead 100, 100 mile, 100 kilometer, 20 miles, and um, benefits the Oregon Mountain Bike League. So that's September September 18th, the Sunday. Great. Thanks for coming and uh, sharing all this with us, Trevor. Really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And next up is my conversation with Mike Ripley, the man behind some of Oregon's oldest and most iconic rides. Mike Ripley, thanks for coming on our show. Hey, Jonathan, thanks for being you. <laughs> that is like the most subdued Mike Ripley I've ever uh, I've ever heard because I know you're you're Mr. High Energy. But first, I got to set some um, some background here for folks to have them really appreciate just who in the heck Mike Ripley is. How long have you been putting on these bike events in Oregon? Since, well, since 90, 1991 minus 97, 8, 9, and 2000. Um, I started putting them on 2001 again and then formed Mudslinger events in 2003 and then just did that part-time with running restaurants until 2011. Um, created a bunch of the Central Oregon events in like the late, you know, 2007, 8, 9, that time. And then now I have like, you know, the onslaught. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, that's funny. You said creating the events. I mean, you're, that's, you're, that's what you do. You're like an event creator. You can't organize and promote, you can't really promote them until they're created. So you've created what, how many events now are on your slate? There are I think 12 with the two running events. Usually we have four running events. I have a DBA Oregon trail run. What do you think accounts for your longevity in doing this? I like people and I, I just think it's so interesting to take somebody on a ride or somebody new, um, you know, just getting to meet people. Uh, I'm, I'm an only child with a key to my house and I kind of treat life still like that, where I just think there's an adventure and people nowadays, they, I think they're starting to really embrace the adventure, especially post COVID. But, uh, mm. you know, that's a, that's another 
mental factor, but it's just a, it's a way to engage with other people and, and you can't replace it with really anything else. It's, it, it's meaningful. And, and it's even more personal, right? Because uh, you still have family members on your staff helping you out at these races on the weekends. Uh, yeah, they, they still do some stuff passively, but you know, definitely have to open my wallet way more uh, than I used to. <laughs> if they want to, then, you know, there's definitely have to try to bribe them. Like I just had this, I just had this image in my head of your, like, you know, the tables in the Ripley house, uh, like the, the living room table, the kitchen table, always being full of like big manila folders with stacks of stuff next to them prior to being, being filled with like the, the registration yeah. info. I'm just thinking that you must stuff thousands of those every year. It's so dumb. Well, it's mostly it's hammer nutrition bags. So yeah, we're always doing something. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so, so are the, um, so are the events. So like, yeah, get into it. Tell me what, what is on tap for 2022 mudslinger event, uh, cycling, cycling events. Yeah. Well, um, see, we're starting out mudslinger year 35s first week in April. That's kind of our traditional date. Um, we like to settle, we have our weekends now. It keeps all of us at event directors kind of sane because we all don't like to overlap, um, whether it's a ride run or this and that. So then we go into the triple crown starts the first weekend of May, which is April 30th. Sorry, everyone. The weekends, the weeks actually start on Sunday. Okay, that's that. April thirtieth does not sound like the first week in May, but it is. And you and mentioned tri- you, you say Triple Crown, and I noticed the other day it looks like it's grown to five events, which is causing some dissonance in my brain because I think oh no, it's, three. it's painful. It's really painful. So it's not but, three though. If it's a triple, Mike, it has to be three. But now it's oh, five. Is that what you're? That's still in my world. That's three <laughs> okay. um, because you only have to finish three to get the jersey. Oh. I get you. Okay, got you. So it's about being flexible, Jonathan. I got it. Okay, sorry, you got it. So you got the triple crown. Yep, triple crown. Uh, Sign up for the triple crown and you finish three of them and you're a triple crowner. And uh, we went back to Eddie Merck style jerseys this year. It's kind of cool, our retro design this year. Um, But yeah, we do the triple crown, which is uh, first weekend of May. There's a double on the coast. We have the uh, West Coast Gravel we debuted last year which was the second day after Oregon Coast Gravel Epic, which is our most popular gravel event for sure. But now day two's in yachts. So everything Whoa. is, in, I know, is in Florence last year, but a kid's play kicked us out of the venue um, in Florence. Those kids and their plays. So now um, the, 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 the Coast Gravel Epic, which I've done, folks, by the way, is awesome. And I'm going to link to the recap I did uh, in, in the show notes. But the, you're, t- you're saying so the day after that is another... Yeah, out of Yahats, we, um, we reserved the commons area in Yahats, and we're going to roll out Yahats River Road, and we're going to head towards south towards Florence and do a counterclockwise loop. And then after that, we take a break and come back the first week in June for Oregon Grand Fondo in year 10. Uh, that's kind of gone to this next level. Um, we have some more stuff that's going to be cool with that thing coming up to announce. Uh, then after that, Sasquatch Duro is in Oak Ridge. We're going to be at Greenwaters Park. And then we end up inside of a casino chain smoking for the Tacoma Gravel Grinder uh, down at Seven Feathers Casino. No, we don't. We You could smoke if you wanted to, I guess, at the start, but we don't make you. You just ride through the casino and then out on a course. It's pretty cool. I mean, in between that, we do Sister Stampede. We got the horse lead out on Memorial Weekend back. That is the Portland Riders mountain bike race. Like people will see me and they go, yeah, I'm mountain bike race. I came to Sister Stampede. Literally, they'll do that and then they'll get ready for cross. And that's cool. That's cool because it only has 1,400 feet of climbing for 26 miles. Mm. Uh, it's, when it's, it's already half full. It's crazy. It caps at 500. So um, if you do want to race Stamp- Stampede, definitely sign up early. Um, and then we have our biggest bend events, Oregon 24, second weekend of July, and then High Cascades 100. And we end the year um, back in Bend for 100K called the Ring of Fire. 
We um, wanted to have an event that was shorter than High Cascades, not enough daylight. We can't add any more people to High Cascades because you get capacity limits on all mountain bike events. So it sounds like, sounds like, looks like you're feeling pretty good for 2022 after what were probably a few tough years. Yeah, I, just, I put on seven events in 2020. I, I'm not sure. I was probably one of, well, I was one of the three people that actually did events in 2020. I mean, mm. there was not, there was no events really per se. And, and it worked out really well. It allowed for people that wanted to participate could, and the other people opted and got, you know, credits or the Canadians are all coming back this year. Thank God they're coming back this year. We got like 40 people from High Cascades two years ago. They're all coming back. So we got a big Canadian following that comes down for that one. Okay. Love it. I like to think that, especially for independent organizers like yourself, I, or I, I don't know what the, the term would be, but for organizers who actually create, run and own their events versus like, I don't know, some event companies that may hire people. I don't know if in Oregon, we have many of those because we're still pretty homegrown here in Oregon, but for, for folks like you, who this is your company, you create this, these events, you really create the experience for folks. I like to think that the, the events themselves have some reflection of the person behind them. Can you think of anything in your events that you feel is kind of like a reflection of you as, as Mike Ripley? Is there something in your events you think that reflects who you are? Probably my fetish for Sasquatch and that I probably want to be a Sasquatch in another life. You know, maybe that's it. I, you got it. Oh, I had no idea. That's, that's a good, okay. That's deep. I mean, it's really deep. I have four Sasquatches, I think is, is like brands, you know? And so I definitely, I definitely got a thing for Sasquatch. Um, is that because you live in the in the Oregon like mountains? Like, what what is that? Tell me more about here, that. Yeah, I mean, what the heck? I mean, there's 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 all sorts of interdimensional beings out there in the woods. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, so no, I'm not. So you want them. you want to get people out there to to find Sasquatch or something? Right? Yeah, I mean, find it or feel the presence. You know, it's it's a it's a big. I mean, that's I think the the best thing for me is I like I like the time when you can be out there and it's so quiet it's noisy it's just where you just can be and you know it's that you just find that moment when you're in an event and you're by yourself and you're literally you know the next corner's around there and you're pushing to the finish and you're surviving you know whatever your version of that event is and it's beautiful i mean it just really is i mean people just they're so joyous they've leaved every that's that's for me. That's where I found my my mental solace and my just my space to come back a healthier person. And so, I think that's just the the thing that just is reflects off of what I do is it's just a cool thing to be able to introduce somebody to an area that they don't really have the wherewithal to go by themselves, and they get to meet a new person. Um, that's freaking cool because you know life's short. Might as well meet meet have make a new friend. You know. I love it. That's great. Well said, Mike. Hey, appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Yeah. And thanks for, um, thanks for putting on these great rides and events. They're just like such an important part of, of Oregon. Well, that's awesome. I hope to see you back this year too. You know, you know, I'll get out there as soon as I can. As soon as you can. That's a great statement. Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Jonathan. I appreciate Good. all you do. Too. You're welcome. Thank you, Mike. Good luck this well, season. Thank you. And finally, here's a conversation with Anne-Marie Hingley and Chris Stefano from Cycle Oregon. Great to see both of you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's been obviously a wild few years for Cycle Oregon. Um, for folks who don't know, the 2017 was big, were the big fires. Uh, and so that one actually was the first time a, 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 an event got canceled because of fires. Then, of course, uh, everything getting canceled in the 2020 year because of COVID. And 
boy, so this year hasn't been that great. Although you did pull off a, an event, which is really cool, the, the Thai Valley Rally. So I'm just curious, you know, how are you feeling at this point about the upcoming uh, season? I would say we feel pretty great. Um, you're speaking with two people that only have the, this is still new for us and we're very forward looking. We don't really come from what happened 20 years ago or 15 years ago. Um, so everything I think that we want to talk about or do talk about is what we've done and what we're going to do. Yeah. So the question of like, you know, uh, is, are things feeling more normal? Like that's an impossible question for both of you. Cause you're not sure really what normal is at this point, really. I mean, to, to some degree. So, so, um, Let's see. I mean, I want to talk a little bit about the rides, obviously, that are coming up and get folks hyped for those. Um, I know that CycleOrgan is doing tons of advocacy uh, stuff. So for, for people that aren't um, fully aware, CycleOrgan is more than just um, rides. They do a tons of advocacy work, have done since day one. And there's many elements to that, some of which have changed in recent years. And I think it's, from what I've been reading and hearing, there's some pretty exciting stuff on the immediate horizon as well. So can do either of you want to share kind of a, an update on where the advocacy related things stand? Yeah, we have three different things we've been working on over the past year that we are really excited about. Um, one is we're now part of um, ODOT, Safe Routes to School, Transportation and Design Planning Team. And so we're working on putting together a bike education program that will travel around the states, primarily serving rural schools. You know, one of the neat things too for us, Jonathan, is that um, we have a, a, a rural focus about much of the work that we do. And when we travel to visit places and, and we bump into people and they might ask who we are, what we're doing, almost everyone has a story of when Cycle Oregon was there. They remember 10 years ago, 12 years ago, six years ago, when Cycle Oregon was there. What this does is gives us a chance to always be there and not just have it be we come through every set number of years to come to an event and and it is about them you know it isn't a, we're an organization from one city and, and we're going to come do things our way this is we do things their way so it's been a really great way for us to have an ongoing impact in a lot of the towns that we really enjoy going to but may not get back to for three four years Wow. And, and in terms of like an ongoing impact, I see that there, you're going to be forming a, a new nonprofit to kind of encapsulate these programs and like hiring another staff person. So that is really a kind of a big step, it sounds like, for, for Cycle Oregon. Yeah. So we are working on creating an, a, a new nonprofit or a separate nonprofit for Cycle Oregon that will be a traditional C3. And so we see these advocacy and education and engagement programs housed under sort of that wing of Cycle Oregon. Um, we are in the process of hiring a new person, which we are very excited about, and we'll hopefully have an announcement um, in the next couple of weeks. Cool. And, there, and there's one there, there's one other advocacy thing that I want to specifically talk about, which is, and I can't believe it, I, I the way I heard about it was kind of a surprise to me because I'd, I'd followed uh, Oregon Scenic Bikeways program so close from the very, very start back in 2009. Uh, and I've heard sort of that uh, it's this is now an official project of Cycle Oregon now or a official program? That's another, it seems like another new feather in sort of the advocacy cap of Cycle Oregon that's relatively recent. It is very recent. I think the ink is just now drying on that agreement with um, Oregon State Parks for that. But we are really excited to be able to help grow the Oregon Scenic Bikeways um, to work with those proponent groups that have been out there doing their work. I know there's been a few ideas that were started and just never completed. So we really see this as, again, an opportunity for us to engage in rural Oregon um, and provide 
new tourism opportunities um, and just really support all the communities who want to bring bikes and bike tourism to their communities. That's great. Um, spe- speaking of those communities, can you give me a, a rundown of the 2022 slate? Let's uh, let's get into this and, and let people know where Cycle Oregon's going this year. First event is May 20th through 22nd. That's gravel. And that is in, uh, we love introducing people to places they may not know about. Toledo, Oregon. Did, did you know about Toledo, Oregon? I, I did I not. Didn't. Yeah. Um, so so how do you new... introduce someone to it? What is the what is the Toledo, Oregon it's, pitch? Well, it's six miles inland from Newport. So it's Oregon coast, but not the coast. And it's this really neat little, um, it's in there along the bay. Uh, it's a working town. Uh, you know, it, timber is, is and paper is a lot of, of, of what it is, but it's got this really neat arts community they're trying to develop. And it's just funky it's really steep like the downtown like you see those like the san francisco uh, red bull bay climb kind of things you could do that in toledo i mean there's one road that is so steep and it's really fun to be there on a bike but it's access to gravel routes both east and west connect to the corvallis to the sea trail which we're a, a, a route ambassador for travel oregon and we've put a lot behind um it, the, the gravel is really great and to go out to the coast is is super fun and so toledo is going to be this really neat place that has this kind of funky little microclimate has a lot of sun maybe when the coast doesn't it, it just yeah it's just kind of this neat little place that is close to the coast but, but you can kind of go east and west on these really really beautiful gravel routes um, one day we're cycling along this beautiful creek just at the bottom of a small canyon. It's deciduous forest and evergreen forest. And it's, yeah, it's just, it feels a little unexpected. Yeah. We'll have our usual in-camp experiences of just the fun, good times in the camp. And it's going to just be great to be back together in a community that's really excited. We just met with them. They're excited to have us. So, and we're excited to go. Wow, that's that, that's that's fantastic. I love it. Um, is there? Can t- tell me something about how how gravel works, right? So for folks that don't know, uh, is this kind of like a base camp situation? Is this like a, a mass start timed event? Like what what is gravel for people that aren't, aren't don't know yet? It is as with all Cycle Oregon events, it's not a competition. There is a base camp. Will will be when you arrive and and set up in Toledo. You're, you, that's where we work from every day, and the routes. They go out in different directions, but we we start and finish in that same place. You know, we'll have we'll have food and entertainment, and we try to bring in uh, speakers that either have historical. Uh, our we have a geology expert who volunteers with us, and his talks, especially with gravel, you want to talk about rocks. Um, so that's always a lot of fun. One of the more unique things about gravel is free beer all weekend. Mm-hmm. Not that everyone has to drink. But it, people begin and end on their own terms, and we support people throughout the day. That's, that, that sounds so good. Okay, what then what's after that? After that is Joyride. Yes, in Independence, Oregon. So we've been to Independence a couple times before for Joyride, and it's going to be great to be back there. It's, I mean, Independence has this great bike scene at the moment, um, and so we're excited to be part of that and the whole bike indie vibe that's happening there. Um, We'll have three different routes for people to choose from, a short, medium, long, and then great food along the way and a big meal at the end of the ride, Um, sourcing a lot of local products and produce and just really, again, like a Cycle Oregon celebration with music and community and just 
fun after you've had a day on the bike. And that's June 25th, again, in Independence, Oregon. It's a one-day event. And, and there's something special about Joyride that, that folks may not, uh, may not know unless we actually spell it out. It's, it is a women's-only event, so we are excited for all women to come be part of this. Um, you know, meet, meet a community, join up with other riders, just have, yeah, get out there and enjoy being on a bike in the company of other women. Uh, that's that's going to be an exciting one. I love, I love Independence. They've been so great to us. And, and it's so close by for people listening here in Portland. It's, it's a quick trip. Yet you feel like you're uh, in a whole different world when you're at, down in places like Independence, which is so, which is a magical thing about like all these rides really, right. not necessarily super far, but boy, you feel like you're in a whole nother place and credit to Cycle Oregon too, because y'all make people feel like that with the camp vibes and the atmosphere that's created. It's really, really part of it. So what, what, what comes after Joyride? Uh, not much time after that one. Uh, then we roll into in July, July 22nd through the 24th. Uh, that is Weekender, and that is in Corvallis on campus. So base camp is on campus at Oregon State University. As I say, the Weekenders, I feel like the Weekenders have often been on campuses, and I, it's just like a perfect thing because I know it's not necessarily, you know, family, kid oriented focused as much, uh, but it does it does make it easier for families because I think that campus environment is just so inherently sort of nice. And it's just like this even bigger embrace than Cycle Oregon can provide on their own. You have like nice big plaza spaces. I, I recall I've done, done, done one, I think at the University of Monmouth or uh, there was the other one down the, the Wilsonville, uh, Linfield College was another one, wasn't, wasn't one down there. So anyway, yeah, tell me what, what are folks going to experience down in uh, the campus of OSU on, on Weekender? Well, like all of our events, we'll have live music and good food, beer, wine, entertainment. Um, I think this one is really fun because it's got that sort of college town vibe with this really like fun summer celebration feel. Um and because we have more families come, we're doing things like opening up the rec center so folks can swim if they want to. Um, and again, like just really providing a lot of different options for routes. So again, something short, medium, long, um, so people can get out and enjoy whatever whatever it is they want to see. Yeah, like we that we'll go from anywhere from about ten miles to about seventy each of the two days. There'll be multiple route options. Um, one of them even goes as far as Independence. So. <laughs> What's neat about this year is gravel weekend or joyride. If you're in and around that zone, like if you live in Corvallis, you got it made. Like nice. You're going to be able to, to to get close to all of those. So yeah. So I feel like weekender of all the of all the events Cycle Oregon's doing, that's going to be the one where if folks don't have a ton of miles on their legs or maybe haven't been biking for as many years, that's that that's going to be the one that's going to be probably the best one to check out because I feel like you could probably go to go to Weekender and have some rides that don't don't make you really suffer at all and just kind of get you get you oriented toward toward road riding and you still have all the different activities to do on the campus right am I kind of like feeling that right is, is Weekender kind of the good entry point for Cycle Oregon for folks it is and uh weekender if you don't want to camp and ride your bike a lot of miles you can stay in the dorms which adds an extra level of comfort so showers secure bike parking a bed to sleep in um it so it really i think is a great entry point like you said for people who want to try something out uh the willamette valley is i, I don't want to say it's flat <laughs> because we saw some hills along the way but it certainly isn't the huge huge climbs that you would get if you're crossing over the coast range or riding out in eastern oregon 
And it's a good event for anyone who's really into cycling and has friends, partners, kids who might be interested to go enjoy the same experience and be together. But you can still get an honest, honest day's ride, right? You can, you can still oh, get down there. And get sure. Oh, yeah. The, the 70 miler on, on day two. Day, we've seen a lot of routes. Um, it's gorgeous. You know, it, it's really fun. There's plenty. You know, Corvallis in that area doesn't have a lot of the big climbs, but it's a lot like a lot of those hill countries where a, a bunch of smaller ones kind of have their effect. And, and it's, it's really nice riding down there. Cool. And you got to have a, you got to ride enough so that you feel good when you jump in the pool. So, or, you know, stop at a farm stand and, and pick something up along the way. I mean, you've earned it at that point. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. What's, uh, what, what happens after weekender? Well, we had a little break, little, a little bit of a break. And then we come to the one that I think everyone just refers to cycle. Like for so many people, cycle Oregon is what we call classic, which is the week long event. It's the event that started in 1988. This will be our 32nd. Um, it is a week-long event. It is September 10th to the 17th. Uh, it ranges anywhere between 270 miles and 443 miles because we do give daily options. There's layover days where you can add or not ride. Um, it climbs anywhere from 15,000 to 35,000 feet. And it's a week long. And we are in the Painted Hills this year. So we... Beautiful. We begin out of John Day, stay in Mitchell, Fossil, Dayville. Monument. Monument, Oregon. But Monument is this just wonderful town with like the football field overlooking the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Painted Hills. I'm riding the Painted Hills. Even some of the roads that I probably wouldn't necessarily qualify as like the most picturesque just has that classic American West. You know how when you feel small, but you feel big because of it? Like, it's just so big and beautiful and expansive. And we throw in gravel along the way so you can take in probably a little bit of the lesser known roads off on these lesser known roads. (laughs) Yeah, that's an important um, point for folks that that might think that the, you know, the paved road part, you know, they may, they may conjure up whatever image they, they think of, of, of sharing the road with folks, but the number of bikers on this, on the classic are going to far outnumber the amount of drivers coming by. Oh, no doubt. You know, so I mean, we, we will bring several thousand people in, in some cases to monument, which I believe the population is 80. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. It's seven days of a discovering the Dayville cafe and pies, like just these simple little like discoveries are so wonderful, you know, out there. Yeah. That's, that's something that I think uh, a lot of people uh, think of too, when they think of the classic are these, these fun discoveries along the way, these interactions. Oh yeah. So I wanted to ask you um, the other thing that a lot of people recall when they think of classic, if they know anything about it are the sort of activities that cycle Oregon, you know, shepherds along the way and kind of helps you get into. So is there going to be fossil hunting and fossil? Like, what else will I be able to do uh, as part of Cycle Oregon uh, this year? We can definitely visit the fossil beds and painted hills. Those are both part of our layover routes. Um, so new this year, we're doing two layover days in the middle of the the event, just so folks can do something different than biking if they want a break from the saddle. Um, so we'll help set up some different excursions if you want to get on the river for a day or go fishing. And then we're also working with the communities of Fossil and Mitchell for them to come up with some sort of community project that our riders can do as well. So 
I don't know exactly what that'll look like, but it might be like helping clean up, clean up a stream bed, or we talked about building a staircase in Mitchell that goes up to the top of the hill where the high school is. Um, but just really like being able to give back in a really direct way to the community and get to know the folks who live there and see what's important to them and just be part of their community for a few days. You know, people have ridden it maybe 80 miles. We don't wear people out. Like, but you want to have fun and listen to music and 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 enjoy food. There's plenty to do if you want to do something. And if you don't, just hang out with your friends and watch the sunset. Love it. There's so many, there's so many aspects of of Cycle Oregon to think about, get involved in, envision for the future. It's super exciting. I'm 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 almost just as excited about the non-bike event ride stuff as I am as I am the rides themselves. And it all starts at cycleorgan.com. <laughs> and there are spaces open and like registration's going, right? I mean, I know in the in the past, the, the classics sold out. I think this year you may be getting close, but there's still space left on all these rides. Um, there is space. We, we've seen really strong response. Uh, we just launched, what, a month ago? Mm-hmm. And we've seen strong response. Um, there is space for all four events. Um, and I know that people will wait because we're all unsure of what the future holds, but it does feel like things are are improving to that point. And we are working very hard to make sure people are safe and feel safe. So register, we're gonna have a good time. Cool. Chris and Marie, thanks so much for sharing all this. Thank you. Thanks, Jonathan. That was our 2022 ride preview with Trevor Spangle, Mike Ripley, Anne-Marie Hingley, and Chris Stefano. Be sure to check our show notes for links and resources mentioned in this episode. The Bike Portland podcast is a production of Pedaltown Media Incorporated and is made possible by listeners just like you. If you're not a subscriber yet, please become one today at bikeportland.org support. You can listen to more episodes and find out how to subscribe at bikeportland.org podcast. Our theme music is by Kevin Hartnell. I'm your host, Jonathan Maz. Until next time, thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the streets.